Good morning. Welcome to the Lord's house. Will you stand up with us? We do not serve a king or a savior who is in the tomb. He is risen. And so join with us today. Let's celebrate in this house today.
Okay, church, let's shout out his praise. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Glad that you're here today. In the early church on Easter Sunday, they had a special greeting. Uh, the pastor would say, he is risen. And the congregation would respond by saying, he is risen indeed. Hey, y'all know that, don't you? So let's try it together. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Y'all did great, man. Every time I say that this morning, you respond. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is, and we serve a resurrected, powerful Savior today. He is in this place. And through resurrection power, he can change your life. So whatever is wrong, he can make it right today. Whatever you're afraid of, he can break that fear in your life and give you freedom from Jesus today. I can't wait to preach it to you this morning. And we welcome you here. If you're a guest, thanks for coming. If you're a first-time guest, I ask that you get one of those connect cards in the chair back in front of you. Fill it out as soon as the service is over. Go through these doors to our connect counter, and we're going to give you a brand-new free coffee mug that we just had made for this occasion. There's information about our church on the inside, and then a special gift, a Chick-fil-A gift card. I think I'm going incognito to the connect counter after service. We're glad that you're here. Stand with me. We're going to pray and give this hour to the Lord. I'm praying that God would open your heart to his love today. Heavenly Father, I love you so much. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross to save us from our sins. Thank you, Jesus, for rising from the grave to defeat death, hell, and the grave to give us power in life. I pray that your Holy Spirit would fill this room. I pray that your word would come alive to us. I pray that we would both hear and believe the good news of Jesus. For it's in your name we pray it. Amen. He is risen. risen Amen.
came up out of the grave. You took over death. You're victorious for us today, God. And I pray that right now that somebody, some here, needs to hear this message about your salvation, about the grace, about your mercy, about your love, about your kindness, your compassion, your joy, your peace. God, they have got to receive this blessing today. I'm so thankful for this church. I'm so thankful for all of the people that have come out today, God, to hear your word. And I pray, God, that once again, you would fill us with this resurrection power, with your glory, and that we would come to know you as our own personal Savior, God, because we know that you have the power and that you can change anything in anybody's life today, God. They just need to open the door and let you in. They need to seek you because, God, you're here this morning, and we are so thankful for all that you've done, for your death upon the cross and for your burial, and God, finally, for that resurrection day. We are so thankful for all that you've done for us. Have mercy on us, God, this morning. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Mm. And resurrection power is here today. It's available to you if you'll just reach out and receive it. This morning I'd like to share with you the Easter story found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. And as I read these seven verses, I want you to take notice of what message the angel gave to these women. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. And and isn't it interesting, after a four-week study on women who met Jesus, that the first two at the tomb that morning were women. And God revealed to them what he had done. There was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken by fear that they became like dead men. And the angel told the women, Don't be afraid. Because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell all his disciples, he has risen from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you into Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. And may the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word. See on the hill of Calvary, my Savior bled for me. My Jesus set me free And look at the wounds that give me life Grace flowing from his side No greater sacrifice What he's done 
My name is Jason Armstrong, and I'd like to tell you about what God is doing and what he's done. <clears throat> At one point in my life, I was either drinking alcohol or doing hard drugs just about every day. Uh, I tried them all, opiates, LSD, ecstasy, cocaine, methamphetamines, everything you could possibly imagine on and off until eventually, I don't know whether it was hereditary or what, how addiction works, but eventually I was drinking alcohol every day for 16 years straight, every day. Um, needless to say, I tried to quit many times over my life, but I failed miserably each time. And uh, each relapse was more humiliating than the last. And deep down, I always knew I wasn't meant to do life on my own. Until one day when it all came crashing down. Now, I won't give you all the details, but it seemed like the timing and the prayers of the people around me were just perfect. 
And on March 4th, 2010, I finally surrendered everything. <laughs> it's okay to clap for Jesus. It's not about me. Jesus intervened, and that's when everything changed. Uh, no more insanity. And over the course of the next few months, uh, well, people always ask me how I did it, so it's important, really important that I tell in case somebody's out there wants to know. Over the course of the next few months, three things happened inside me that changed my life. Uh, I finally admitted that I was powerless over drugs and alcohol and that my life had become unmanageable. Uh, I came to believe that a power greater than myself, God, could restore me to sanity. Uh, because that's what addiction is. It's doing the same thing over and over and not being able to think anything new. It's just a form of insanity. It's a disease. But third and most importantly, I made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood him in that moment. I didn't turn my life over. I turned it over to the care. My God loves taking care of me. Uh, but that was just the beginning of my freedom. Day after day, year after year, God has been working on me, preparing me for this exact moment. Until now, I was not brave enough, I was not prepared enough, and I had not been through enough to say what I'm about to tell you. This is something I've never said to anybody before, so all of you in this room and everybody listening online are the first to hear it. In fact, it's something I've never heard any addict or alcoholic say at an AA meeting or an NA meeting or a rehab facility or a celebrate recovery meeting or a church Sunday school class or any of the three treatment facilities where I worked as a mental health paraprofessional and lived to tell about it. According to all my friends and advisors and the poor fellow that's I'm using as my sponsor right now, who told me not to do this. <laughs> Making a public statement like this is very, very, very dangerous to my recovery. And spiritually speaking, Brother Will, it's picking a fight with the devil. But you know what? Today is not about me. So are you ready? Here it is. I will never, ever, 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 ever ever drink alcohol or use drugs again. I'm going to get in so much trouble for that. Uh, look at me and look in my eyes. Am I telling the truth? <laughs> now, does that mean I'm cured? Not necessarily just free. I still have to work on my recovery in some way every day because even though I don't drink or use drugs anymore, my dis-ease of sin tries to find new ways to manifest itself all the time. And I actually still attend NA and AA meetings because I can only keep what I have by giving it away. That's my secret. Uh, I still come to church every Sunday and sit in the front row, too. Why? So that I can carry the message to the addict or alcoholic who still suffers. 
So, allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Jason Armstrong. I'm not anonymous. I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict and a sinner. But I'd like to tell you about what he's done. My clean date is March 4th, 2010. And I'd like to tell you about what he's done. I am 12 years, one month, 13 days, three hours, and 45 minutes clean and sober. And I'd like to tell you about what he's done. But most importantly, my sins are forgiven, my future is heaven, and I praise God for what he's done. God for what he's done, shall we? Give him praise this morning, would you? Amen. Well, I've, I've been in services when, when they've had uh, worship like this, and, and I thought, why don't they just go ahead and have the invitation, you know? Uh, and we could do that this morning, but, but then I wouldn't get to preach, and I've got to preach to you because you've got to hear the good news that Jesus saves. And if you don't get anything else out of this message, you need to know that Easter is about you, that God loves you, that he came for you. And if you were the only person alive, Jesus would have died on Calvary's cross to save you from your sins. This morning, I want to focus in just for a couple of minutes on the simple sentences that these angels spoke to these women. 
because the message is relevant for us today. Would you look at these verses again, 5 through 7, Matthew chapter 28. The angel told the women, don't be afraid because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and indeed he is going ahead of you into Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. It's my personal opinion that it was Gabriel who was chosen to give this good message of the good news. I believe he was the one given this happiest assignment in the universe, to be the first to proclaim that Jesus Christ was risen from the grave. I think this Gabriel was the same one who hovered over the sheep fields of Bethlehem, proclaiming to the startled shepherds, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. I think it was the same Gabriel who would shortly rendezvous with the disciples on the Mount of Olives and tell them, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into the heavens? This same Jesus will return. But this assignment, the Easter assignment, was the greatest one of them all. And I think it was his happy duty to announce Jesus, who had been crucified, was risen from the dead. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. And again this morning, I just want to concentrate on those simple sentences that he spoke because they are transforming words for us today. Now, if you had been a speechwriter, how would you have composed the angel's announcement? I heard years ago that anybody can give a long speech, but to give a short one, to give a good short speech requires real skill and great preparation. And here we have a very compact message, six simple sentences, but they were composed by the heavenly speechwriter so as to affect us in several different ways. For example, first of all, this message gives us steady nerves. Notice the way the angel began with these women and what he says to you today. Here it is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. How often do you begin a conversation like that? I mean, if, if you're giving greetings to someone, you, you don't begin your greeting that way. No, we say something like, hello, or how you doing, or How's it going today? Or howdy. Yeah. We would only begin a conversation with don't be afraid if we knew that the person we were speaking to was in some sort of emotional crisis or difficulty. And the angel knew that these women were in emotional difficulty on this day. They were afraid. He could see it in their eyes. Let me tell you something, you would be too <laughs> if you walked up to that tomb and all of a sudden an angel appeared from heaven. He rolled back this massive song, sat on top of it. He looked like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. You'd be scared to death. They were. Not only that, they were fearful for their own lives. 
They didn't know that morning as they went to the tomb whether they would be arrested, thrown into prison, or even physically abused for going to the tomb of Jesus. Not only that, they were also panicked over the possibility of the Lord's body having been stolen or abused or disruptive. But there were deeper fears at play that day. They were afraid their hearts would never heal from what they had seen on Calvary's cross. They were afraid that their faith in the man Jesus Christ as Messiah had been a mistake. They were afraid their hopes for eternity had been misguided. There were all kinds of fears bubbling up inside of them. Someone said it like this, these women were shot through with fear like a man riddled with buckshot. And I'm looking on a group of people this morning, and and I've got to say, y'all look good. You look good in your Easter clothes. But deep inside of you, there's fear. I, I doubt there is a single one of us who has lived a day of our life without having some kind of fear. We all live with fears. I've been a pastor for 39 years, and I can't tell you the number of people who have come to me for counseling, and they started their sentence with, I am afraid. It goes something like this, I'm afraid that my husband is cheating on me. I'm afraid that our teenage son has rebelled. I'm afraid that our business is falling apart. I'm afraid that we're going to have to move. I'm afraid that my health is failing me. And I understand those fears, don't you? Because every day we live in a real world and we face real fears. But church, you need to understand the Bible answers every fear that you could have. 107 times in the Old Testament and 42 times in the New Testament, the Bible says, fear not. Or don't be afraid. And there are many other occurrences of similar phrases. For example, the psalmist said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. All of our fears disappear into the inner resources of the empty tomb. And Jesus Christ vaporizes those fears with the light of his resurrection. There is no fear that can withstand the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the very first words of the angel that day were, don't be afraid. And friend, let me tell you something. The Lord wants to give us sturdy souls and steady nerves. It ain't shaking. Because the Lord has calmed my fears. Second, the Lord wants to give us blown minds or astonished minds. The angel said, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here 
for he has risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. Now, most of us in this room have heard this story all of our lives. I can remember just as a little boy at the West Side Free Will Baptist Church, I, I heard this story. We picked up Easter eggs. I heard the resurrection of Jesus. So I have grown up hearing about the resurrection of Christ just like you. But can you imagine how astonished these women were? I, I really don't think they expected this. I heard the other day about a man in Kazakhstan who was trying to steal electricity. Apparently, he wasn't very good at it because he got the wires crossed and it electrocuted him, shocked him. Everybody thought he was dead. In fact, they pronounced him dead. They wrapped him in a white linen cloth and buried him in a shallow grave. Two days later, he woke up. <laughs> he dug himself out of that shallow grave, the white linen cloth that was wrapped around him was gone and he tried to call down a vehicle to give him a ride <laughs> I just try to imagine that no don't don't try to imagine that he's been in the ground two days he's naked he's covered in dirt he had been electrocuted and he's trying to get a ride home finally he got a car to stop they drove him home just in time to make his funeral wake can you imagine the shock of his family and friends when he knocked on the door and they answered? But you know what? In the case of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, there had been no uncertainty about the condition of his body. It had been shredded by the lashes of a whip. It had been pierced by nails and by thorns. It had been drained of its body fluid and blood, stabbed with a spear. It had been entombed in a grave, sealed by the government, and guarded by Roman soldiers. Yet up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. Church, we should live every day with the wonder of Easter. We should live every day with this faith, this hope that is alive. We should consider every single day of the week Easter Sunday because every single day we are witness to the newness of life that only Jesus can give. Amen. You need to let God blow your mind every day by his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, the transforming power that, that he can bring in your life every day. Third, the angelic message gives us open mouths. Gabriel had barely gotten the good news out of his own mouth when he charged these women to share it. Verse number seven, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. There's a sense of urgency about this. This is not a secret to be hidden. No, it's a story to be heralded. This is for sharing. This is the news that all the world has been waiting to hear. Come and see where he lay. Go and tell his disciples. And church, this in reality is the Christian life in a nutshell. Come and see, go and tell. Read it with me. Come and see, Go and tell. 
That's the plan and priority of missions. That's what you ought to be doing as a believer every single day, going and telling somebody about the transforming power of Jesus Christ. Years ago, I heard the story of this young lady from the Kirby Free Will Baptist Church in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, She was going to take a missions trip to Cuba, and she had heard that there were some believers down there who desperately needed some Spanish Bibles, and so she decided she was going to carry Bibles to Cuba. That was a crime, so she would be smuggling, but she learned how to do it, all right? She was taught that what she needed to do was get a big suitcase, fill it up with Bibles, and then layer her clothing so that there would be more room in the suitcase. Well, she thought it was a good idea, and that's what she did. She wore several layers of clothing down to Cuba. She had her suitcase filled to the brim with Bibles, but the plan backfired on her. In the Detroit airport, they spotted her and thought something looked unusual about her and made her open that suitcase. When she got to the Bahamas, same thing. She had to open the suitcase. And so when she landed in Cuba, sure enough, they they spotted her, they singled her out, and they made her open the suitcase. But this time, she could only unzip it two inches, and the zipper stuck. And she struggled with it and struggled with it. She she couldn't figure out why she couldn't unzip it because it was a brand new suitcase. She had opened it several times, never had a problem, but now only two inches and the zipper stuck. She struggled and struggled. Finally, the security guard was exasperated with her. He grabbed the suitcase and he tried to unzip it. He couldn't do it. Finally, he got aggravated and just shoved it back at her, told her to go on. She got it to the motel and decided she would take a knife to it and open her suitcase. But before she did, she gave the zipper one more try. And zip. It just unzipped like nothing had ever been a problem with it. And the Bibles were distributed. You might call that a miracle. I think it classifies as one. But you know what a greater miracle If God would unzip our lips every day so that we could be telling people the good news of Jesus Christ. Guys, you you need to realize every moment of every day, people are dying without hope, without Jesus, without salvation. They're dying and going to hell. And if they are to be told the good news of the resurrection, people like you and me are the ones who are going to tell them. God could have chosen any way to declare salvation. He could have chosen any method to proclaim the good news of the gospel. But he chose to do it through you and through me. And if we keep our mouths closed, people are going to die around us, in our homes, at our schools, in our workplaces, down the street from us, and they're going to split hell wide open because we didn't unzip our mouths and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's unzip them. Let's open our mouths and let's share Jesus with someone. The angel's message is designed to give us steady nerves 
astonished minds, open mouths, and finally and greatest of all, it was given to give us high hopes. Look at verse 7 again. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead, and he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. There's a hint of the second coming in those words. There's a hint of heaven in those words. The message of the Bible is that Jesus is risen from the dead, and he has gone ahead of us and is in heaven waiting on us. And it's there we shall see him. I'm not a singer, but I tell you what, I could sing, Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He arose as victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose. He arose. Hallelujah. Christ arose. And because of it, people can have steady nerves, astonished minds, open mouths, and high hopes. But what does it take to be one of his people? What does it take to be in relationship with him so that you can have these things in your life? What makes a person a follower of Jesus Christ? Well, the Bible is very clear about this. It is not a matter of being raised in a Christian family. And some of you were, and you use that as a crux. You say, well, my, my parents drug me to church all the time when I was a kid. My, my great-granddaddy was a missionary. Well, that's awesome, but it doesn't help you out any. It's not about being at church on Easter like you are today, which that's great. It's not a matter of having been baptized. It's not a matter of trying to live a good life. No, the Bible is really clear on this. What it takes is this. It is a matter of repentance towards God and faith in Jesus Christ. It's a matter of saying three simple sentences in prayer. Are you ready? This is going to change your life. These three little sentences will change your life. The first is this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The Bible teaches that all of us have, have offended the righteousness of God by the way we've lived, by the thoughts that we have had, by the way that we have talked. We've all disregarded our maker. We are all sinners. We're all in need of salvation. And with humility and repentance, we need to confess our sins. And that means saying to God, I'm sorry. Now, let me tell you, that is hard for a lot of you to say. In fact, I know some people who would rather die than say, I'm sorry. But let me tell you, if you don't say, I'm sorry, you are going to die. The second death. That means you're going to split hell wide open. And I know you probably didn't come to church on Easter Sunday morning for a preacher to tell you that, but I'm telling you because I love you. And I don't want you to go to hell. 
So you need to repent of your sins. You need to say, I'm sorry. The, the second little prayer you need to pray is, I believe. I believe. Romans chapter 10 says, if you shall confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's what it means to be saved. You believe. You believe that Jesus is the way to salvation. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You believe that he's the only way you can get to heaven because he is the only way you can get to heaven. You believe that his blood can cover your sins because his blood is the remission for your sins. And so you say, I'm sorry, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. I believe Jesus can save me. And then the third little simple prayer you pray is, I'm yours. We must acknowledge him as Lord and master of our lives. You know what that may mean? That may mean a different lifestyle for you. That may mean some old habits are going to have to go down the garbage disposal. That may mean some new habits need to be started. But God wants to make you into a brand new creation and he can do that because he has the power to do it he wants you to be a better person and he will when you submit to the lordship of jesus christ so are you willing to pray those simple prayers i'm sorry i believe i'm yours this can be at easter like none other this can be the first day of the rest of your life. This can be the beginning of something transforming in your life. This can be the start of eternity for you. Up from the grave he arose. He is risen. And his power can change your life. As the angel said, listen, I've told you, and that's what I've done this morning, as simply and as plainly as I can, I've told you. It's been my privilege to be at this church for 25 years, and I hope by now you know that I love you. Even if you're new here today and you've never been in here, I love you. And I care about you. And more than anything else, I want you to be in heaven. That's what Jesus wants. That's why he died on that old rugged cross. That's why he defeated death, hell, and the grave. That's why he rose to give you the power for a new life. And he's handing it to you today. Will you accept his gift? Will you come and pray that prayer? I'm sorry. I believe I'm yours. Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that those who need to be saved today would just simply step out and come for salvation. Lord, if there's someone in this room who's away from you, maybe they've been saved, but, but right now they're not walking hand in hand with you. They, they've allowed the things of the world to come between 
you and them. May they come, dear Lord, right now and just get all that cleared up. Get a fresh grip on your nail-scarred hand and, and walk out of this room hand in hand with you. Lord, there may be others in this room who are really afraid. I mean, they got big time problems in their life. I pray that they would have the freedom to come and just lay those burdens at the cross and be given that peace that passes all understanding. Lord, one other thing, there's some of us in this room who have friends and family members who are lost and without Christ and without hope. I pray that today we would come and intercede for them and pray that they too would be saved. Lord, you're moving in this room. Move now in this invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. And if Jesus is speaking to you, I'm going to ask that you come to the altar and pray. Someone will come and pray with you. All we want to do is help you today. Find Jesus and find his love. As he speaks to you, come on, right now, as the praise team sings, would you come? things are happening here at the altar. Let them happen to you. Come on. Come now. heads bowed and eyes closed if, if, if you're standing there 
and you know that you've never given your heart to Jesus, would you pray that simple prayer right now? Just say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. I've sinned. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus can save me. I'm yours, Lord. Just take me and use me. And if you've prayed that prayer and you believe it in your heart, I want you to get with one of our pastors right after the service because we want to celebrate with you and tell you how you can grow in your faith. Jesus, thank you for this great day. Thank you for the worship. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Make us into the people that you died for. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. He is risen. Amen. Be seated just for a second, would you? Got a couple of announcements for you. When you walk out the doors, make sure you drop your offering in one of those black boxes. That is, if you're a church member. If not, if you're a guest, fill out one of those guest cards. Take it to the Connect counter. We'll give you one of those cool mugs and a Chick-fil-A gift card. Man, you can't beat that. Then grab a cookie at the coffee bar and have a photo opportunity. We've got uh, a couple of uh, places set up in our entryway for you to take family photos. And then if you'll go over to our old welcome center, it, it's in the other building. You can see it from the outside because it's the uh, area with all glass. If you'll go into that area, we have some real live farm animals that your kids and grandkids can have their Easter picture taken with. There's little chicks. Jason, help me out here. There's chicks, there's ducks, there's a little baby lamb, bunnies, and the coolest thing is this little piglet, isn't it? I mean, Jason told me, he said, you got to go check that little piglet out. It's, it's brown, but it's got these little black dots all over it. It's cool, man. I think I'm going to go have my photo made with that piglet. So. Awesome. Make sure you do that. Hey, this Wednesday night, we're doing... Uh, the third session of our Connect class. So I invite you to come. It's how you can connect at Kavanaugh. We're going to be doing it in this room at 7 o'clock. And then on Saturday morning, Matt, what time is the men's breakfast? 7 o'clock, Saturday morning, 7.30. It is 7.30. 7.30, we're going to have breakfast for men. Guess what? Pastor Jose from Puerto Rico is going to be here, and he's going to be bringing the devotion. So it's going to be a fantastic time. You come this Saturday, 7.30, guys, and you'll not regret it. Uh, he's risen, and there is power in the resurrection. Go forth in that power. God bless you.